Lord, that you would have let it be plain, God, and that you would have let it penetrate to the depths of who we are. God, that we may be changed by it, that we could be challenged by it. Lord, I pray that your word, God, would just uh, uh, move in this place, Lord, and that we could be moved by you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Is this book of Hosea is what you would call the beginning of the minor prophets. Hosea has a very interesting narrative. Although really this same narrative is weaved throughout all of the books of the prophets. It's this word of the Lord that is coming and it's you see essentially the Lord reaching out to Israel through a prophetic voice and he's saying to Israel to his people you've left me and I want you to come back to me this time though in this particular book it is very interesting because God uses a piece in the story he uses a certain person, and his name is Hosea, the prophet himself. He was a prophet of the Lord, and in order to get the message to the people, the Lord said, I don't just want you to preach the message, you're going to live it. When I'm wanting to tell the people, they're going to see it lived out in your life. Now folks, after... 15 years of, or so of preaching for myself, I've found that it's definitely easier to preach something than it is to live something. The Lord is telling Hosea here, he says, you're getting ready to walk in the shoes that come with the word that I'm going to put into your spirit. And the word of the Lord came to Hosea and this man who... To our knowledge, he hadn't done anything wrong. To our knowledge, he was a holy man. He was a righteous man. There wasn't any kind of fault in him. There's no reason that he would go out and he would seek a wife like God would tell him to seek. But the Lord came to him and spoke and said, I want you to go and take yourself a wife. And just listen, we read it already, the text. But what the King James Version says, it's very uh, means exactly what it says. And God tells Hosea, I want you to go and to get a wife of the whor- of whoredom. I want you to make her your wife. And I want you to go get this woman who has lived a very promiscuous life. This one who God only knows where she has been. How many men she slept with. God only knows the very things that she has gotten herself in trouble with and all the men that she has entangled herself with and I want you to go and find her and to make her your wife oh the Lord isn't telling Hosea to assess the risk he didn't tell him how much it was going to cost he simply said I want you to go find a woman of whoredoms and I want you to make her your wife and so We see this man, Hosea, who, if there's any man who's heard from the Lord, you better hope that you're hearing from the Lord when God gives you an instruction like this. And he was very confident of the word that God was speaking to him. And so 
he went and he sought out a woman. This woman that he never thought in his wildest dreams that he would be seeking out such a one to be his wife. But God was trying to send a message to his people. That although you have committed adultery on me, I'm going to reconcile you to relationship with me. Because my relationship to you is not predicated or it's not built or based on all of the good decisions or the bad decisions that you've made. He was saying, my love for you is greater than your mistake. I'm already preaching right now. You may not realize it because I'm not spitting in the back row. but, But the Lord wants you to know that he loves you greater than your mistakes. And there's something powerful about the love of God that you've got to get down in your spirit today. You will never be good enough to deserve the mercy of God. You can never do enough good things to deserve the mercy of God. It wasn't because I deserved it. Because he came for me while I was yet a sinner. And when I was afar off from God, he loved me enough to come to me. I I preached on it last week and it hasn't left my spirit yet. So I'm going to preach on it. Again today that the story of this prodigal son is so amazing what's, what takes place in Luke chapter 15. And I don't want to get it hung up here for too long, but, but it's so amazing that, that, that for us, so, so oftentimes we do put our focus on the son, the one who left. Because he went, he goes, he joins himself to a citizen of a far country. There he goes and he has what we would say is a pig pen experience. He's this Hebrew boy who's going and after he's lost everything, he comes and he's out of resources, he's out of friends, he starts feeding himself with the very food that he was feeding to the swine. There was a pivotal moment in the story that it says that he came to himself. That he started asking some questions that really should have been asked before he ever left the house. So if, if we're really honest, he should have thought about these things before he ever left. You know, some things about how good it was to be at home. He started talking about how many servants in his house had it better off than what he had now. And he began to realize that here he was in a pig pen and his servants in his father's house had it better off than him. And it may not look like it to you that what God is doing here in this, in this place that, that God really had him there for a reason, but God had him there for a reason. And he, he began to speak to his heart. And I, I don't know. It's, it's not recorded, but, but I've got to believe that one night this, this old boy was laying there in that pig pen and he was, he was, he was just laying there and, and, and he's, he's living below his means and he has this dream that comes to him. As he sees this feast that's prepared at his father's house, this dream of all this food. Here he is, said he was faint. He was so hungry, his, his stomach. And I don't know if you get so hungry that you ever dream about food. But I can just imagine the dreams that he begins to have about the food that he used to have and enjoy in his father's house. That table just spread 
out there with all the food that he could, uh, that he could imagine. It's beautiful. And if I could just tell you right now that just one visitation, that one dream, that just one moment with God for a prodigal, that, that it could turn their life around. Come on, I know that there's some in here today who you have some prodigals that you've been praying for. You have some children that you've been praying for. And I can tell you that all it takes is one moment. All it has to take is one moment and God can wake them up and God can turn them around and God can bring them back home. All it takes is for one moment for them to come to themselves and to say, hey, there was something about being at home that I need to get myself back to it. There was something about my father's house that I need to get back to that. And I don't you stop praying for that moment to come in their life. Don't you stop praying for that prodigal. For them to wake up and to realize that God, he still loves me. And that God, he has everything that I've been searching for. And God has everything that I need. And just one moment, one moment can completely change their direction of life. It says, this prodigal, he came to himself, and oh, what a moment that is when you come to yourself, because you have to come to yourself. No amount of preaching is going to make you come to yourself. No amount of songs that you would sing are going to make you come to yourself, because you can come and you can sit in services like this and hear exactly what you need to hear, but it, it can change nothing in your life until you actually come to yourself. As long as you think you've got everything that you need to take care of your problems, then you don't need Him. As long as you think that you've got ever the ability yourself to keep on carrying the load, and I can take this, I, I'm going to be able to get through this. As long as you believe that, then you don't really need Him. But when you come to the reality that says, I don't have what it takes, and I need Him, and that's the only way I'm going to get through this, it's at that moment that you come to yourself, and you say, there's nowhere else to turn but to God. And so this boy, he came to himself, and it says he ran back to his father's house. And I love this part of the story, because the Bible says that when he was a long ways off, the father saw him. He saw him and he went running to him. This part of the story where the Bible says he went running to him. And I didn't cover this last week, but it was, it was not proper for a man of dignity of that, in that day, in that culture to go running after anything. But the father went running to his son. He said, I, I don't care about what others think. I don't care about what others have to say about, about what is proper and what is right. I see my son a long ways off and I'm going to run to my son and meet him a long ways off. He went running after him and, and he met him and, and others looking around like, man, especially for you to lose your dignity over one who doesn't even deserve it. One who just, he, he's a disgrace to you and to your family. He went and he squandered everything. And he says, I don't care who he is. I don't care what he's done. I'm going to my son. I'm going to meet him. And in fact, I've got a fatted calf. Hey, servants, go get that calf ready. We've been fattening it up, waiting for this day. It tells me that the, the, the fact that the father went to the son, that he was looking for him all along. That every day he'd wake up. Is my son coming? Is he coming? Is he coming? He maybe had some people posted out in the town. Hey, let me 
know when the sun's coming. You get a message to me right away. As soon as you see sight of him, let me know. Because I need to go let my son know that he's welcome home. He's welcome home. I'm telling somebody. God sent me here to tell you that the father today is has been waiting on the porch. He's been anticipating your return. He said, go get the fatted calf. The one that I've been investing in, the Bible tells us he ran to the son and the father today. He's looking for you. He's, he wants to run for you. He's not looking for you to be all cleaned up. He's not looking for you to be all made up and perfect. He's looking for you to come in in the dirtiness of your pig pen experience, whatever it is. That may, maybe yourself, you, you look all clean. You look like you have it all together. But inside, inside, God really knows. The turmoil, the things that have been happening, and you and you're struggling. You say, God, God, I, I don't know where else to turn. God, I've been trying to get through all this. I've been trying just to just to get through all of all of this this stuff that that in, in order to live for you. And I, God, I I don't know if you'll even accept me back, but here I am. To get back into the story of Hosea. The Lord told him, he said, go and take this wife toward him. He knew the risk when he was, tank, uh, when he was getting hooked up together with her. He, he didn't go and, and find some chaste virgin. He didn't go and find a beautiful little girl that he'd known her family all of his life. And she'd known him. And, and they were all, you know, this is all going to be something that, you know, it's all going to work out. We're, we're all going to be great. Mom and dad, they're accepting of all this. They're, they're happy about this, this marriage. And No, he went and he, found, he got a girl who was pushed back by others. There are men in the community that he, that he would never, they knew stuff about her that they should never know about her. Stuff that he, as, as her husband, should be the only one that knows about her. And yet all these men in the community, they know who she is. He knows when he's walking around town with her that there's eyes that are looking at him. They're like, man, you call yourself a man of God. The humiliation that he would face. He's walking into this relationship knowing that some people, they make mistakes. And other people, they start trends. Now You can, you can make a mistake in your life, but when you continue going down that path, you start the trend in your life. And you can follow a trend. And, and what God, God help us if we continue to, or if we allow the mistakes in our life to turn into trends. The mistakes in our life to be things that cause us to just keep on diving deeper and deeper. I, I don't want the trends in my life. But this, this young woman, she had, she had some trends in her life that had been started. It was a lifestyle for her. She, it wasn't just a mistake of fornication one time. No, this was a trend for her. This was a life that she had lived. This is her identity. This is who she was. She had attached herself to this identity of the one who was promiscuous and who was this prostitute. Just just think about this story. Just think about what God has asked Hosea to do. The Lord said, Hosea, I'm going to use you to show my people exactly how I feel about them. And God who took the risk, knowing that more than likely, having a people that he would call his own, that they would not be faithful to him. 
God took a risk when he said, I want to have a relationship with my creation. I want to have relationship with people. I desire to abide with them and for them to fall in love with me. I, I don't, I don't just want them to be like the trees in the grass where it says that as they wave around, they're singing praises to God. I don't want them to be like the nature that is just in their beauty. They're giving praise. They don't have a choice. They just do it. All the other creation, it doesn't have a choice. It gives God praise. It shouts the praises of God. If you read the Psalms, you see how, you see him depicting, uh, the psalmist depicting all the praises that are given out by all of God's creation. That it doesn't have a choice whether or not it praises God. It just does. God created it to praise him, to worship him. But when he created mankind, he says, I don't want to force them to love me. I want to give them choice of whether or not they love me. And he knew this was a risk. He knew it was a risk when he gave us that choice. But yet he says, I want my creation to choose whether or not they love me. And by doing so, this risk Of coming into relationship with his people. Here he was. It didn't matter how much manna he threw down on the ground for them. It didn't matter how many nights he protected them by that pillar of fire. And by day directed them by that pillar of the cloud. It didn't matter how often uh, God rescued them from this or that. They would disregard all of that and raise up a generation that hardly even knew God. But he said to Hosea, some things are worth the risk. I need you to take the risk. I need you to walk into this relationship knowing that it's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be beautiful. There's something about this bride by the name of Israel that I love so much. that I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to bring her back to me. And so the story goes, he said, I, I don't just want you to marry this woman, Gomer, but I want you to have kids with her. You should have offspring. And now just imagine this, this just complicates the story even more. What kind of pressure is this on Hosea for him to go and to leave, leave home, go to work, leaving the kids? He, he couldn't just say to his boys, hey, just watch your mom, everything that she does. She's a good woman. Whatever your mom says, just do it. Like, can you imagine Maybe I'm, maybe I'm jumping out here just a little bit, but, but could you imagine what goes through the man, the mind of a man like Hosea that every time that he leaves the house, he's wondering, well, what's she going to say to the kids? Which, where's she going to go today? What are my kids going to be told? I, I mean, I mean, what's, what's it going to feel like when I come back and she's not there? What's, what's it going to feel like when, when she's, she's here and she's gone back to that lifestyle? And every day that he's worrying, every time he leaves the house, I'm, I may come back to an empty house. And sure enough, over time, this is exactly what happens in their relationship. He's married to her, and before long, she runs off and she leaves him. And, and I, I could preach on this for... for mm, the, the depths of the story are so powerful but, but really, I, I just want to focus on, on what takes place. What takes place as, as she leaves this, this place that very few of us really understand. I think very few of us really understand the depths of the love that God has for us. 
That scripture tells us, and it, and it leads us to understand that, that she had finally come to a place that she had lost all of her value. This, when, when he married her, he wasn't marrying this beautiful woman that was, that was perfect and, and everybody wanted her. No, she was the one that nobody wanted. She was no longer this young, beautiful Gomer, this new girl on the block, so to speak. That's not who she was. She had a few wrinkles that came in. Here she was. Her skin had become a little leathery. She, she's a little different. She'd been abused. She wasn't the same as she always had been. Now, here she is. She's, she's given birth uh, to several children. She, she's here, and she's just different. She's not the same. She's not the same. She's not at her best. She's not at her finest. And here she is now, still living the lifestyle, even in their marriage. And we see here when she leaves, broken, going back to that very same lifestyle that she'd always known. And her one who would control her, tell her where to go and sell her out to to individuals, eventually says, well, I guess since she's back out on the field, I might as well take her to the auction block. Since she's back out of the field, I might as well take her to the slave auction. I might as well take her out there. And it tells us in scripture that the one who had the authority to do it, the one who was, who was there that, that, that that was selling her out to the men that, that they, since she was back out living that lifestyle, they brought her to the auction block so that somebody could buy her for their own use and abuse. Well, there's some here today that, that you would understand exactly what I'm saying to you when I say that when this is the exact picture of sin right here. That when it's finished with you, well, you, you may not be finished with it, with it, but when it's finished with you, it'll sell you out so quick. You... You thought, well, I've got a long way still to go. I, I've got some more things that I want to do, but sin, it'll sell you out so quick. That you'll find out that it'll discard you. Now, when you get to the end of the rope, it says, I don't care. It'll cut the rope. It doesn't care who you are. It, you thought that you had some homies around you that were supposed to be loyal to you, but they weren't loyal anymore. Come on, somebody. You found for yourself that those around you in your sin, those around you when you're chasing that lifestyle, that they don't care when you don't have anything to offer them. The sin It will leave you hanging. That drugs, that very thing that picked you up and got you through those moments that you thought, oh, I can't get through this without just getting high right now. That eventually it leads you to a place of emptiness and brokenness. And here you are, lost. That alcohol that you've drowned yourself in and found found some hope in in a temporary doses that in the end of it, it's left you empty and, and, and meaningless and you feel so broken and lost that sin will leave you right at the auction block it will sell you out it is not loyal to you this world is not loyal to you that all of the when all the good stuff runs out just like that prodigal son when all of his resources ran out all of his friends all of his homeboys they left him he said, ah, we, don't, we don't need you anymore. We'll discard you. We'll go on to somebody else. Now here you are. You're standing at the auction block. 
just waiting. But what now? What now? I just wish so badly that I could draw a narrative of really what God was trying to say here. They say a picture paints a thousand words. I don't even know if a thousand words could truly wrap up what God's love was, was trying to say and what he's trying to do in this, this story here. But the auctioneer, as he stands up, and there at the auction block on that day with Gomer sitting there at the, at the auction block ready to be sold, he says, all right, we got Gomer here. I know you all know her. She's been around here several times. I, 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 know, that, I know that she has some wear and tear on her. I know, I know that she's been around the block. But let's, let's just start the bidding. Would somebody start the bidding on her? Would there be somebody out there right now who would start the bidding on this woman and, and, and it's silent in the room. Nobody's talking. Nobody's saying anything. The auctioneer just up there just tapping his fingers, tapping his foot. Be real good right now for somebody just to speak up. Somebody put a bid in for Gomer. Uh, who's going to begin the bidding here tonight? Well, this, we got Gomer right here. Who wants first dibs on the woman? Not a word. Everybody knows her past. Everybody knows what she's done. Everybody knows all the men that she's embraced, the lifestyle that she's embraced. It's dead quiet in the room. And all of a sudden, from the back of the room, she slips this man slips this man and tears streaming down his face. He says, auctioneer, whatever the price is, I'll pay it. That's my wife up there. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what anybody else is willing to pay. Just tell me what I need to do to take her home with me. The auctioneer looking back at him, man, I don't know if you realize what she's done to you. I don't know if you realize everything that she's, all the men who she's been through. He says, I know exactly what she's done. I know exactly who she is. But I love her. And I need her back home. I'm willing to pay whatever price it is to get her back home with me. And that was Hosea buying his wife back. Coming into that auction room, stepping up to the auction block, and said, I need my wife back. He took his jacket off as the auction auctioneer slammed his gavel down, rang it, and said, All right, here's the price. The deal's closed. You can have your wife back. He takes his jacket off and wraps it around his wife, brings her back home. He says, I love you. She said, I, I don't know why you would love me. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. I've disgraced you, our family. I've gone back to the lifestyle that I promised you when I married you, I would never go back to it. Rosea says, all that's in the past. All of that's in the past. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. I love you and I want you back. The whole reason that God told Hosea to do this is he's trying to paint a picture for us of what he wants to do for us. 
God is standing there at the auction block. God is standing there at the auction block right now and he's saying, I'll pay the price. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many, how many th- times you've, you've lost control. I don't care how many times that you've gone back to that sin that you promised you would never go back to. I don't care how many times you, you felt filled with shame because of the brokenness and just who you are. I don't care how many times you've walked into a service and you say, God, I'm such a mess. I don't, I'll sit here and I, I want to feel good, but, I, but there's no way that you can ever take me back. God says, I don't care how many times you've done that. I'm here and I'm calling out your name and I'm standing at the auction block and all I'm saying is come home with me. Come home with me. I need you to come home with me because I love you. I love you. Why would God do that? Why would God love us so much? See, it's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that God would use even just this man, Hosea, to be the one who would do this. If you look at the name, just a simple word study of the name Hosea, I believe there's a reason that God used this particular man, this prophet, to do, to deliver this message to his people because Hosea It means God or Yahweh, our salvation. It is the same word, the same meaning of this this word Hosea is where we get uh, Yeshua, which is the name of Jesus in that tongue. It is the same name with God, our salvation, that we see Hosea, Yeshua, this man who would come and he would bring out the very thing that Jesus would do when he came and he was born in that very place of Bethlehem and he came to us and to let us know that I love you and I will give my life for you Jesus the night before the night of his arrest he was sitting there in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying It asked his disciples to pray with him. They kept falling asleep, but he's there in anguish. He's praying. He's asking, Lord, would you take this cup from me? And I know what I have to do, but would you just take this cup from me? Would you, would you not have, have me have to go through this? It's not easy to go through the pain that I know is before me. Yeshua Messiah, I believe. You can believe what you want, but believe this this cup, this this thing that that he had before him, this image of this this cup. That when he began to look inside of it, and he saw the image of me, and he saw me and all my faults and all my failures, and he saw me and all my shortcomings, that he saw me and he said. I love you so much. And I know that I'm the only way that you can ever have those faults and those shortcomings, those brokenness, that who you are, the shame that you feel. I'm the only way if I go through this, if I go through with this, that's the only way that you are going to have those things shored up and understand how much I love you. He saw 
me when he, when he be, was, was in this turmoil, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he began to see all of my faults and all of my failures. And he says, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for Austin. I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for everyone in this room. I'm doing it for them because this is the only way that I can really buy them back and to have them come home to where they belong. So he said, not my will, but thy will be done. That the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But he obeyed the call of the spirit that was within him. And he said, whatever it costs me, if it costs my life, if it costs the stripes on my back, if it costs my back being torn open, me beaten, the crown of thorns pushed onto my head, and, and me having to walk through, walk through the city with that beam that's, that's I'm having to bury this, this heavy beam on my back that's all beat up and, and the bones in my body they're just feeling they're, they're exposed and they're rubbing me raw and here I am the nails going through my hands and you know Hollywood tries to paint these pictures for us of what it looks like and, and I'm thankful for them to try to do that but it's I don't think it's really even it, 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 they can't even get close to really under, letting us understand what Jesus had to go through when he went to the cross for our sins and he went to the auction block to pay the price so that I could come back to him. He suffered things that he did not deserve. It wasn't because of him, it was because of me. He laid himself there with no bitterness in his tongue, no guile in his mouth, no hatred in his spirit. He just laid himself down. He said, I love you this much. It drove those stakes into his wrist, into his feet. The pain was there. And I feel like the devil was probably celebrating. But it's only because he forgot that Jesus, it had already been prophesied of Jesus that I'll be lifted up from the earth, but I will draw all men unto myself. So they picked him up off the ground, and the journey began to that upright position. And in that moment, hell began to tremble because sin was about to be abolished. The enemy was losing grip, this tight grip, the stranglehold that they had on God's people. And this blood that was oh so powerful began to flow down Jesus. Jesus said these three words, it is finished. When he said those three words, he hung his head and he died. That was the price that he had to pay. And he didn't do it out of anguish. He didn't do it. He didn't do it out of bitterness, as I said. He didn't do it begrudgingly he did it because he loved you that much and so if you ever come in to his presence with your head hung low with shame gripping you feeling like I can't give myself to you God there's no way that you would take me back there's no way that you could ever love somebody like me he already did He already did. He already saw you. He already knew exactly the very things that the pig pen experience that you would have. 
You already knew the many mistakes that you would make. You already knew. Well, I'm coming to a close here, but God already knew the very shameful things that you would do. And he already went to the auction block for you. He's saying, I'm trying to just buy you back right now. So don't hang your head low. Don't come to me with shame. Just bring all of that and pour it out to me and say, I'll come to you. I'll come into your arms right now. I'm telling you all today, right now, the hour, this hour that we are living in right now has me so hungry for God. There's, there's coming a day. Oh, no. There's coming a day when God is coming back for his people. God is coming back for his people and the opportunities to call out to God and for this very thing of his auction block, him standing there at the auction block, it's coming, it's coming to a close. He's standing there now. We're living in the dispensation of grace right now. He's standing at the auction block. But there's coming a day when he will have to turn around and leave. And if you don't go with him, that's your choice. But he's standing at the auction block. And he's paying the price for you. He's saying, I need you back. I don't care how much you've gone through. I want you back. God is at the auction block today and he says, hey, remember that ring with which we were sealed? Remember that time when we when we said, I do at the altar? Remember that time when you went down in the waters and your sins were washed away? Remember that the spirit that I gave you? Remember? All of that was a sign that I would never leave you. All of that was a sign that I would never just discard you. You can never do anything. You can never do anything to get away from the love of Christ. He loves you too much. He loves you too much today. If we could stand all around this place. I don't want to get into the game of trying to guess when the Lord's coming back. Whether it's 10 minutes from now, a month from now five years from now. I don't, I don't know. But I do know this, that we're closer right now. and there are, there are signs of His coming. There are many of them. Now we are living in the day, in the time period, in which the return of God is imminent. But the hand of God right now, if I could just tell you what the Word of the Lord was saying to me, is that He's saying, I'm still reaching. I'm still standing at the auction block and I'm here right now and all I'm saying is don't allow the shame and the guilt to keep you right in your mess. Don't allow your shame and your guilt. Don't allow these things that, that you have allowed you to, to, to keep you put, to keep you right there in that stuff. Don't allow it to keep you there any longer because God is standing here. Well, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to, you don't have to know a bunch of Bible studies in order to understand that the, that the God is coming back for His people and, and God is here right now and God is, God is, is, is wanting to get you ready for His return and so he, He's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. But we're not there yet. You have time here this morning. You have time here right now. And God, He's standing at the auction block calling out your name. 
If you hear that name being called, if you want to come to him, come to an altar right now. The altars are open. If you want to just reach out to God, he's reaching for you. He's calling your name. He's saying, I love you so much. I love you so much. I don't care how dirty, I don't care how much of a mess you are, you're in. I love you so much, but I need you to come home. I need you to come home. That's where it's safe. You're safe at home. You're safe at home. Don't keep going out. You're safe at home. I love you. I love you. Oh, there must be somebody right now who's, you can call out his name. Who you can just feel, where you can just feel the presence of God just sweep over you. You can feel the love of God. The love that extends farther than any mountains, farther than as far as the east is to the west. He's reaching for you right now. Just call out his name. He's here. Just let his peace and his love and his forgiveness sweep over you. Come on, it's a time right now that's good for repentance where we say, God, here I am. And God, I'm going to change my ways. God, I'm going to make some changes in who I am, who I what I do and where I go, what I say. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. If you don't feel that, draw yourself. If you want to go and you want to pray with somebody, feel that freedom to go and just lay a hand on somebody else and just say, I'm right here with you. Amen. We're going to go into the song here in just a minute. Just give, it, give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Jesus' name.